Hello, hello, and welcome to Borborygmy, Noises from the Veterinary World, the podcast that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. The triumphs and the tribulations, they're all in here. I'm Naomi Meller, vet and podcaster, and we are into season two. So 2020 has been quite the year, which for a lot of us has featured more tribulations than triumphs, if we're honest. So in the spirit of recognising that the pandemic has upended a lot of people's finances, we thought we'd bring you a new series of conversations around money. We're being supported for this season by VetU, a veterinary-led community encouraging you to face up to your finances, to get the help and advice you need and start paving the way to a brilliant financial future, whether that's starting your own business or planning for your retirement. Everyone involved in VetU has had highs and lows in their own financial journeys. So this season is all about telling you the stories of our community to help you make the most of your finances. Thank you so much to everyone who's been in touch this season. We have absolutely loved hearing from you and there's been some great discussion and debate about the episodes that we've put out so far. Today is the last one in this season, but don't worry, we will be back in January with a brand new collection of podcasts that we cannot wait to bring you. I've been doing loads of recording recently and there's some cracking stuff coming up in January. So season three kicks off on January the 11th. Pop that in your diaries. We're having a little break over Christmas and it only remains for for me to say a massive Merry Christmas from Ebony and from me. And to all those of you working over the Christmas period, we thank you, we salute you and we are with you. Stick us in your ears while you're operating on that GDV or taking out a spleen or stream it in the car while you're driving to that colic or a carving. I will be working over the festive season too. So we are with you and wherever you are, the whole veterinary community is massively appreciative of those keeping the ship afloat over the holiday period. Our guests on the season finale today are Louise Littler and Emma Davis, and we're hearing a hopeful story from the two of them before Christmas about overcoming debt. This isn't something that we talk about a lot as vets, and I'm really, really grateful to Lou and to Em for being so candid. Many of my American friends have previously told me about their cripplingly high debts from vet school over there, and there is widespread awareness of the cost of vet school in the US. But here, I think there's a silent population of vets and nurses, some with huge debts, student loans, credit cards, etc., etc., We're lifting the lid on that today. Uh, We're hearing how it can be overcome. These two are just lovely. This conversation was really warm and friendly. Emma joined us from Australia and uh, here is their chat between the two of them. So um, I came from a very poor background. So I I was brought up um, firstly in foster care and then on a council estate. So it's not the usual place that most vets will come from. Um, yeah, it was tough when we were growing up. My mum used to work three jobs. She used to work nights and days. Um, it was tricky. Luckily, we've got an older brother who did a lot of the childcare and things as well. And my mum had a friend who lived with us so that we could get some kind of extra money from that as well. Um, but it was tough growing up. Like it was a struggle sometimes to have money to put in the electric meter. Um, we would struggle to buy basic things like shampoo. We'd find ourselves using washing up liquid. Like it was hard. Um, so coming from that background, I guess my expectations of being a vet and the money um, were kind of 
I thought vets made a decent wage and to me they still do um, because of obviously what I've experienced before but I know to others you know if you start comparing to other similar industries then you could feel hard done by but I never did that because that wasn't where I was coming from um, most people worked in a supermarket and if you're comparing you know I started I think £21,000 but this is 15 years ago um, which isn't a great deal of money but when you hadn't earned much at all and your mum was on £12,000 and you bought your counsellor's house for £12,000 um, that was a lot of money um so certainly I didn't go in with any great expectations I was just grateful for what I was going to receive um so that I know that's a little bit different I guess than some others I'd always work nights as a vet student I did um like nursing duties in a night clinic as well as being in vet school so having to work days was a bit of a shock (laughs) so I didn't like that at all so (laughs) I moved into um, working nights from 18 months qualified and obviously working out of hours you do get paid more and so um, I went into doing out of hours and I'd never done a night of small animal on call and I went into full on 14 nights on, 14 nights off, small animal ECC in the middle of Liverpool city centre. Um, but it was great and I got paid really well, cons- you know, considering my experience and things. Um, obviously, you, you know, you worked for your money, but working with never been a problem. I've got quite a good work ethic. I had done another degree before I did vet science. And so my money journey has been um, an up and down roller coaster, generally on the up to where I'm 20 years into my um, career. And um, but when I was a child, I was very middle class Australian. Um, mum worked very hard as a single mum for a number of years in my, early in my life. And I started working actually um, at 12. I was actually already babysitting three other kids at the age of 12, five days a week. And they got me really cheap. It's ridiculous. I think it was 20 Australian dollars a week for about 15 hours a week. That's so cheap. I know. It was like... <laughs> it kind of emphasises that it's never too early to learn the value of your own worth, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And um, so I've never worked for that again, which is about a dollar an hour. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess I was out there in the mix early. Yeah. And so I've always been uh, thrifty and um, creative with earning money. But um, then in Sydney, I had to get a couple of jobs because there was um, both actually a little bit of student debt from that first degree and then the real costs of this degree and then doing 40 hours plus of study a week. Um, so I kind of was working three times as hard at least <laughs> as um as I was in Morgan. The cost of being a student I think is something that um I think we all know about the cost of student loans and things like this but I don't think I'd ever considered how much it costed actually just to be a student so obviously at this point I, ha- I wasn't earning money from you know being a vet yet because I wasn't um and it was a little bit of a surprise to me like how much rent and things were I went to uni in Liverpool and I guess it's cheaper there than most places but you know it was still expensive I didn't get any help from from parents at all um my tuition fees I didn't have to pay actually so I was very fortunate because they're means tested and I did didn't have any income um, but even just keeping up with the lifestyle of going out and not wanting to feel different than those other people from you know upper middle class backgrounds trying to keep up trying to pretend like I had enough money to go out when really I was sticking it on a credit card um, really yeah I don't think that many people really um, necessarily maybe they do now more because of the, the cost of the fees and things but it's not something I ever saw as being a barrier but actually when I was there it was pretty tough 
to be able to feel like I could keep up or not compete, but, you know, just join in and be part of everything um, when really, you know, just like buying food and things was a struggle. And a lot of it went on to credit. And I did come out of vet school with maybe £20,000 of credit card debt. So this isn't like student loans. This is just for having to pay rent and food and bills and you know all of these things because it's five years so I mean I did pretty well to come out four thousand pound a year um when I had to but but yeah but I was working as well so as I said I used to work for like a a, a out of hours service I used to be you know helping with the nursing duties there I worked on a farm as well which is where I've met my husband we actually live on that farm now it's a bit weird Um, but yeah so I think that that's something that I never really considered going into it um people say oh well you know uh, people from working class backgrounds are put off by the cost and things but I wasn't put off by the cost I just didn't fully appreciate it till I was in it and uh, so that's quite interesting what you said about Sydney and things being much more expensive Emma um, I think we don't always consider these things uh, before we take the leap um, so I'd been um, a student for 10 years um, one of those was in the UK playing at the National Stud but <laughs> the rest of the years I was studying and so I had a hundred thousand dollars student debt by the time I got out and then I went out into practice. I was like, okay, now I'm going to go work. Okay, that's going to sort it out. Like instantly, as soon as you get a job, then everything will just sort out, you know, all this debt and these um, car loan and credit cards and and um, student loans. And I started on $32,000, got up to forty in five years. But I couldn't negotiate anything and I was working day and night. I was doing everybody's extra after hours. I was more than carrying my load, like, you know, proportionally compared to the team and I was getting paid the least and I couldn't actually honour the debts that I had. So not only was I not making any money, I started, my debt started to go up because I was giving my whole life to the job, trying to learn how to do it. Um, and then um, I got let go twice and that cost me thousands of dollars as I moved towns like I literally upped my life and moved to a different place and started up again like getting another lease getting a everything and so I had um, that chopping and changing in the early days and trying to find where a good place to work was was incredibly expensive um, and very stressful so it was just this inability to negotiate and to understand the basics of money I was just making mistake after mistake after mistake and um, getting further and further behind so it was incredibly stressful um a top a very you know demanding job anyway so it was really it was a really difficult first couple of years like yeah um anyway and then I wrote I worked for this other man anyway and I was talking to him about me and and I was like well actually I wouldn't mind a pay rise actually because like you know you know I'm pretty useful around here and he said would you just stop wasting my money in tax (laughs) and use the money I'm giving you better and he said he sent me off to his wealth creation man um the man actually just sat at the desk across from me and laughed at me and he said you come back when you're earning some money and I just thought oh my god like how you know the boss is telling me I'm wasting his money through paying too much tax and too much student loan and then I went to the wealth creation man who just literally laughed in my face and I was like this is not working and my debts were actually going up so instead of reducing, I was working day and night and they were going up, not from living, but just from like, I, I guess my money was covering my living costs, but the interest on the loans. Yeah. So that was a big driver for me to diversify. 
um, into government. Yeah, so I came back to Canberra where the government is with $100,000 debt and I took on a financial coach um, and I worked that off in the three or four, I think by five years it was all gone and then my student loans were gone a little bit beyond that. So, yeah, so I was pretty proud of that. Was financial coaching something that was kind of uh, like how did you come across that? Because I know certainly here 15 years ago I would never have heard of financial coaching or you know. No. Well, he didn't use he didn't use the term coach either. So that, this was pre-coaching. Yeah. So I don't know how. Like I was just trying to find someone to help me, and he was earning a lot of money as a um, a trader or something. Yeah, a financial advisor, and he was on big bucks. And so, out of the kindness of his heart, he took on a few poor people like me, um, and charged us a small amount of money and helped us learn about money. And so that was my start of my education around money. So having, as I say, with the background that I had, I wasn't really a big spender. Like it wasn't like, oh, I've got money now, let's spend lots of it. I was very aware of the debt that I was coming out of university with. Um, I wouldn't say I'd ever been taught anything around money other than, you know, there's probably a lack of it. (laughs) I don't believe that now, but, you know, that's kind of where I was coming from. So um, no, it was really, um, at least initially, was just a a case of, well, let's get, you know, as much of this debt as we can onto 0%. It was kind of the era where 0% credit cards were starting to, you know, kind of come in. So I switched as much as I could onto them. Um, I got a graduate loan from my bank. Um, I think that was £6,500, but the the rate was very low. Um, So I paid off a good chunk of the credit card debt with that as well Um, so it was really a conscious choice I was like look I've got this debt but it's okay I've got a job let's just try and you know not spend very much live within our means and pay that off gradually Um, and I was getting there pretty much until um, we bought we had to we're kind of forced into a situation here on the farm with Mark's parents and the, the just the farm situation where we were you know had to essentially buy half of the farm so we bought this old farmhouse which was falling down and needed like £70,000 spending on it and then I found out I was pregnant two weeks later <laughs> and, oh no oh, <laughs> it's no. like something of grand designs like it was completely not expected <laughs> so, so we were kind of on track up until then and then it was like oh my god now I've got this house that really you can't live in um I've got all of this like extra debt I haven't quite paid off the other debt um yeah so that was just yeah a bit of a boot of the bum <laughs> just to say actually now I've got nine months to get this sorted because that's all I've got before this little person arrives so when you were saying about the changing this credit cards to zero interest and stuff that was the stuff that my coach and I was paying him something which was blowing my mind I was like how can I afford to pay a coach like when I have no money but I was paying him but he was teaching me that stuff around credit cards and switching loans how did you get your knowledge where did that come from um I guess I I can't remember exactly but I must have found it out myself because I know my mum never had a credit card so um I would never have got a credit card if I was just Louise from you know Wallasey that wouldn't have happened so it was only on the basis of me being a vet student that I was given any credit in the first place so I don't know I guess probably the dawn of the internet um maybe something got posted to me from the bank I'm not entirely sure uh but certainly the whole of my financial education from then forwards and I've 
got investments now, even in a pandemic, that are returning 25%. So I've learned a lot of this myself. It's all been self-taught. I do a lot of reading around finances because I know it's important. My children now are eight and 10, and they know more about money than I did when I was 25. Like they literally, they, they can work out compound interest and stuff like that. They know what they're doing. Um, I would totally trust them to manage like a 20-year-old's finances better than they would um, because it's so important. There's a lot of shame around money and debt and um definitely like trying I think back to the student days Louise was describing of trying to look like everything was under control but feeling like you were drowning like it was um very shame inducing to be a smart person but not have the skills that are needed so it was a very shame inducing thing but when I got the coach and he started telling me all, you know, okay, there are these types of loans there, you know, there is this type of bank and online bank with lower fees and high interest um, that will pay you. There's all these things that I started getting really interested in learning as well. So like Lou, I just started reading books. Oh, there's a book. Oh, there's a book. And, um, and starting to like, as you increase your knowledge, um, you decrease your stress and then um, feel a little bit more in control. I think if you feel in control of a situation, then regardless of how bad it is, I think you can chart a path out of that. And I guess that's where I was coming from. I was quite conscious that, you know, I was maybe going to revolution three times a week, spending money on vodka that I really couldn't afford. But in my mind, I had a plan. <laughs> Um, and I think that not, I used it to justify it in some way, but also like I, I knew it wasn't, you know, if you're in a situation whereby you don't have a decent job and you're spending money on a credit card, that's a little bit different than if you know that you're gaining a qualification. Things can catch you out for sure. Um, but I think if you feel in control of the situation, um, even if you're not, even if you believe you're in control, then you're more likely to be able to get out of that situation than if you let it overwhelm you. Um, so I never felt overwhelmed by the situation, um, but I did feel um, a little bit of shame, I guess, in the from vet school because I wasn't aware until I went to vet school that most of the people who went to vet school came from wealthier families than I did. Like I had no idea until I got there. People who are wealthy, certainly my husband's family are wealthier than my family and they have some bigger barriers than my family do about talking about money. Where I live, people say, oh, I just got this for 50 quid or, do you know, like they're much more likely to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because we're thrifty and we're finding a way through and it's fun. It's actually a really fun sport to work out how to get what you want with as little money as possible and um, it's like a challenge. It's a great little puzzle to have. So, And, I mean, the relief and the pride in paying down $100,000 debt and just going, oh, yeah, this is great. And from that point, being able to consolidate and buy my property, I bought 20 acres, amazing, because it was that mastery that um, – like, you know, if I didn't buy the coffee, I'd put it on the more, you know, put it on the debt. And I'm like, oh, five dollars just down. That's compounded. Um, you know what I mean? And there's such a good sport and a great feeling around it. Um, so I just loved it. Thanks so much for listening. It really does mean a lot to us that you do. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it wherever you can and do tell a friend. We would love more of you to join our little community celebrating the veterinary profession and those working within it. Borborygmy is brought to you by me, Naomi Mella, as part of Vet Stay Go Diversify. Thanks to everyone involved this season. Your support is much appreciated.